Buckle those belts tight, put on your helmet, and grab a gear. It's time for another high-speed episode of Race Chaser Media's Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. Let's throw the green and send it to the hosts in the studio. This is the Motorsports Madness, where the producer punches buttons and tries not to, uh, well, turn into a popsicle, because it is cold in the Carolinas, and wet and damp, and I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that, but at least inside the building that I'm currently enclosed in, it's okay. So, we'll get through this one. Now, good evening, race fans, and, you know, this is Motorsports Madness, it's a little crazy, and the cast that I've gathered uh, once again around the round table is a little crazy as well. Uh, we're, we're reprising two weeks ago, Tom Baker, as always, is back, as well as uh, Noah Lewis and Peter Strada from TSJ Sports, and Tom, I know uh, you're, you're probably even uh, warmer and cozy than I am because I know uh, you, you you like to keep it as such over in Mooresville, but uh, it, it's been one of those days. It's it's actually a good day to do a radio show because it's raining and miserable, and we're just all uh, tucked nice inside. Yeah, it uh, helps when once in a while you can use modern technology to uh, to do a show when needed. And uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty cozy over here, and obviously happy to be back. Uh, in the virtual studio, if not the real one uh, just yet, but uh, looking forward to getting back there soon and glad to be back on the program. Indeed, and it is going to be a very jam-packed full program as well this evening because in addition to JD Motorsports driver Ryan Vargas, who's going to join us later in the show, we have a uh, bevy of topics to talk about regarding Daytona Speed Weeks, where Noah and I were all of last week capped off by the 63rd running of the Daytona 500, which ended up running into the wee hours of Monday morning due to a little visit from Mother Nature. But, you know, we won't talk about all that much because maybe if we, maybe if we don't mention it, it'll come back and make the Daytona Road Course race this weekend a little more interesting. I can dream, right? Anyhow, so we have all that to talk about. We had an underdog winner in the 500 in Michael McDowell and Front Row Motorsports, which if you weren't happy for Michael McDowell and Front Row Motorsports, I really don't know what to tell you because there's not a nicer bunch in the garage Area and very, very much a deserving win. Why? We'll tell you about that a little later in the show. But there were winners and losers from the 500. There were winners and losers from the other races in Speed Weeks. And we'll talk about all of that coming up on this show. However, we do need to do a little early business, so we'll step aside, come back with more madness right after this. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. 
Ballin Street? Girlin Street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, this is Tyler Ingram, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. And we're back with Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. More on them a little bit later. Right now, we welcome you around the round table. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada, the latter two from TSJ Sports, talking racing this evening. And we will start... With the obvious, which is, of course, the finish of the 63rd Daytona 500 and, well, a little bit of chaos on the last lap, as it seems the last couple years have been. Contact between Brad Keselowski to his teammate Joey Logano, who was leading at the time. There's a big fireball, big crash in turn three. Michael McDowell escapes with the win and arguably the biggest moment of both his racing life and the racing life for Front Row Motorsports. So I'll start with a simple question, Tom, and ask, are you surprised that Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500? Yes and no. I'm surprised only because he wouldn't be one of the favorites that we would have uh, listed as, you know, one of the top five or six uh, favorites to win. But I think that to say, for those who would say that this win was fluky or illegitimate or in some way not deserved, you're just not paying attention to uh, what's been going on with Front Row the last number of years on this, the super speedways because, They've been getting better and better, and McDowell ran up front, Noah, for a good chunk of, you know, the latter stages of this event, and, you know, was up, was kind of up and down in the order throughout the event. It isn't like he wasn't a contender. This is a team that's gotten better and better and better, 
no, they don't have the resources that, that the top three or four elite teams do, but uh, they're to the point now where they're a solid top 10, top 15 team, in my opinion. And I think this year they're going to show it. And this is just the first indication. I do believe you'll see McDowell back this up with a decent run, you know, 10 to 15 run in the road course uh, this weekend. And, and I think this win was, was a, a fantastic win for them. I am not surprised uh, at all that uh, he picked up the win, just a little surprised at the circumstance. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Tom. Um, you know, we, like you said, we've seen front row get so much better on these super speedway tracks. And talking to Drew Blickenstorfer after the race, uh, which, mind you, Jacob, we were talking about the cold weather down here. I'm missing that Daytona nice 70-degree breeze. But we were talking to uh, Drew Blickenstorfer, crew chief for Michael McDowell after the race, and he said they have put a lot of focus into those plate cars and into – Michael's road course cars because they know there are two places that Michael can succeed and uh, two places where they have a chance. And we saw that on Sunday. We saw his Ford counterparts trusting him, working with him. If they thought that car wasn't capable of getting up front and leading, Brad Kozlowski and Joey Logano and the rest of the Ford gang that kept him in the mix would have dropped him very early. So, uh, no, for sure, Michael McDowell was well deserving of that, that win, and it didn't come as a shock to me. Of course, we didn't like you said, expect him as a favorite, um, but he certainly is someone that I thought could contend. McDowell was far from a favorite to win the 500, but in hindsight, the next day or two, everything that, that uh, Tom, Noah, and Jacob just said came to realization that this team has put all their eggs into this four super speedway races every year. McDowell's been up front in contention late in Daytona 500s before. Think back a couple years ago. He nearly push Logano to the win past Denny Hamlin on the last lap. So seeing the 34 in victory lane, it really isn't that much of a shocker given how far the team has come, especially in the past year, because last year was McDowell's most consistent season in his career and his best finish in the championship at 23rd in points. All right. So that being said, obviously we know he's going to better the 23rd in points mark because this win puts McDowell and Front Row Motorsports into the playoffs. For Front Row, their second playoff appearance after Chris Buescher got them in oh, some five years ago. Tom, how do you rate the significance of, of how important this Daytona 500 victory is for Michael, who was 0 for what, 360-some-odd starts or 370-some-odd starts before he goes to victory lane? And for front row uh, now, you know, their second playoff berth, it's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, and I think it's indicative of what you've observed front row building over the last couple of years, especially this past year. I think, you know, having John Hunter Nemechek there and, again, if you think about John Hunter last year, he was, you know, after the first handful of races, he looked like a driver who could very easily get into the playoffs, uh, point his way in. And then they, they kind of fell off as the season went on. But, um, you know, this is a, a little bit of a different group this year. Uh, and again, with bringing in Anthony Alfredo and having David Reagan at Daytona, this team was loaded for bear for the super speedway. I don't expect them to start running in the top five, um, you know, obviously on the other tracks. But I do think this is huge for them in the sense that now they're in the playoffs and they can focus now on 
how to kind of improve even more because they've already got that win. They know they're going to be in the playoffs. This, more than anything, I think, Noah, will help them in perhaps their marketing efforts because now that car is a playoff car. So maybe that will bring some more sponsors to this team. And don't forget, when we get to 2022 and we go to the new car, everything resets. So this is really a team that I think is a team to watch going forward. This Daytona 500 win put them in a position to possibly acquire the necessary funding to get the resources they need to go be one of the big boys. That's exactly right. When you add Daytona 500 champion uh, to your resume, it, it certainly adds a lot to your capital value, your value of your team, your car. They know you're going to the playoffs. That's a big deal for front row. I, and we, we spoke to them a little bit afterward on manufacturer support. They feel they, they get some great manufacturer support from Ford. They're very close partners with Roush. But I'm interested to see, we've seen in the past that cars that don't really tend to make the playoffs or it's kind of something that wasn't fully expected that they get more partner help or push and i'm interested to see that now that michael is so early into the playoffs um that we we see if if ford steps up more and tries to throw more at their team front row motorsports said they're they're more than willing to have that opportunity yes it'll definitely be interesting to see how they can proceed throughout the rest of the regular season. I'm expecting this weekend at the Daytona road course, alternate strategies from the 34 team from Drew Blickensdurfer to pursue stage points, maybe even a stage win if the right strategy, right circumstances fall into place because this team knows they're in the playoffs on week one. They're just chasing bonus points at this point to further their seating. Once the reset comes after week 26. And it's interesting, Peter, that you mentioned that because that was one of the things that both Blickensurfer and McDowell were quick to point out is that, you know, stage points are going to be crucial for them and, you know, the potential for those playoff points, if you can win a stage, are going to be a big deal for them going forward, Tom. We got about, you know, a minute that you can talk about that before we go to break, but they're in kind of a unique spot here to really, I don't want to say go for broke, but certainly take some chances. Well, that's right. And it was a great point that Peter brought up because now they can afford that. He's going to be starting, obviously, you know, toward the back here. And I think that's going to be an interesting thing. Um, you could very well see some really different strategy by that team trying to put themselves in track position to win the race late and going forward in, in other races down the road. Same kind of thing. So um, I definitely believe now that this team and you got to you got to think about this too mcdowell is certainly while he's a veteran and he's certainly been around a while he's not old and you've got anthony alfredo there who's trying to learn the ropes this is just doing nothing but putting him in a better position as far as having resources to prove himself with too so this was a big big win for that team and certainly a great win for mcdowell there was nobody in the garage jacob that that i could could identify on Twitter or anywhere else that was not happy for this team to get the win. Exactly right. And and I think it, it spoke volumes that Denny Hamlin uh, took to Twitter after the race and said, this is not a fluke win for anybody that might look at it that way. He, he knew the potential of that team and saw it and spoke on it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more Motorsports Madness right around the turn. 
You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Motorsports Sales Professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science, it's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, this is Spencer Boyd, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada, still with you as we continue talking racing on a Thursday evening. Talked a little bit about the victory itself, but now we can take an opportunity to go around the table and talk about the circumstances that led to the victory. I mentioned off the top of the show the contact between Team Penske teammates Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski that led to the multi-car last lap accident in turn three that prompted a caution flag before the checkered flag where McDowell was out front at the moment of caution. And that led to a lot of, uh, I'll say, hate and discontent on social media, for lack of a better term. Tom, 
So, I'll pose the question that many people were fighting about on Twitter all week this week. Should NASCAR have thrown the caution and not let them race back as they ultimately ended up doing? Well, I mean, again, you can look at this two different ways. My personal opinion is that NASCAR did it right. Um, Everything that happened happened behind the leaders, obviously. Um, Just behind, but it happened in such a way that it made sense at this point. They were basically coming to the checkers, and and you took out, gosh, how many cars in the wreck. So, um, you know, I think NASCAR saw the opportunity just to let the race finish, and they brought it to the next – they brought it to the uh, the checkered and then looked at the scoring loop when they threw the caution. Um, I mean, I I never like seeing races end under the caution, but I think it's time that we look at – Instead of just trying to fix that situation, we need to try and fix pack racing and fix all this stupid pushing and shoving that these teams are doing and, you know, get back to where drivers can pass without having to shove a driver all over the racetrack or throw a block. Um, I mean, I'd rather get to the root of the problem and try and address that because this is going to just keep happening. So, I mean, at this point, based on where the accident happened and how close they were, at that point, basically to the finish line, I say, yeah, NASCAR did it right this time. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Tom. I mean, look, we uh, we knew that when we have bad accidents, NASCAR can't roll safety vehicles until the caution flag is displayed. And there have been cases in the past where we've gone, oh, I don't know, that's borderline. Maybe we could have raced back. I don't know why NASCAR threw it there. This was not one of them. In this wreck, we had uh, a driver in the air scrape the catch fence. We had flames that that spread multi cars deep once they surfaced and and uh and we had big hits we had guys slamming straight into one another on the last lap where we're going we're making some very fast speed so it was it was obviously justified on nascar's part to uh to bring that caution out and tom you you did point to a, a deeper root of the problem and and that is something that i hope we can look at a little more um but certainly peter i think that uh that nascar's call for the caution was one that net was completely necessary i can't agree more it was more than necessary because keselowski we saw him take a very hard head first angle into the wall and he hit at such a speed and such an angle that he just about flipped into the cash fans and then of course with the ensuing fireballs from him logano kyle bush and other cars i mean you just had to throw the caution immediately because when i saw that wreck happen in real time my memory immediately went back to last year with ryan newman and not knowing who was okay or who wasn't okay. So, yeah, safety crews need to get to those drivers immediately to make sure they're okay. NASCAR 1,000% made the right call, throwing the caution immediately. Yeah, it sucks that we've lost about a third of a lap of racing, but it doesn't diminish from McDowell's victory and how awesome of a story it is for that whole front row team. Yeah, I just, you know, when you look at the, if you could sort of 50,000-foot overview the circumstances that unfolded. First of all, the race, you know, was red flagged for hours due to rain. There was literally chances of rain throughout the entire rest of the race. Um, You know, everybody had been there. It was late at night. You had a very serious crash with a lot of opportunity for injury there. You did not know how the drivers were. You got to get the safety vehicles out there. I mean, Jacob, I, you know me, I am the, the worst person 
for seeing races end under the yellow because my belief is, and I'll stick to it, you don't end the race, you just suspend it. And um, it, it just gets abandoned. And But at this point, given the circumstances and the situation and, you know, the threat of rain and whatever, you know, you're you're basically at a point where it was almost a matter of resignation that you just threw the caution and said, you know what, boys, we, we, we've gotten lucky enough for one day. Hopefully everybody's okay. We can just get out of here. Um, I think they needed to, to look at the, at, at this pack racing and try and really figure out a way to, to, to stop it. Um, and I surely hope that with a new car coming next year, that maybe that puts an end to it. I'm not convinced it will though, because with the speeds they're running at Daytona and Talladega, you know, aerodynamically, it's going to be extremely difficult to break up the pack racing because in simplest physics terms, you, when you're running in that wake behind somebody, it's always automatically going to be faster than when you're running by yourself. So at the end of the day, I, I really don't know how you fix it. I guess we, we wait and see what the new car brings in 2022. But Noah, thank you for bringing up the point that so many people had ignored in their original complaints that, again, NASCAR can't roll safety until... Uh, you, until the caution flag is called and displayed. And with the amount of fire that was in turn three, Austin Sindrick spoke to it. Bubba Wallace this week spoke to it. I mean, that the, you know, fire is one of the most dangerous things in a race, in, in a racing vehicle. And, you know, I, I saw that and I immediately got nervous. Sindrick made the point, you know, we were lucky that Keselowski only had about two laps of fuel left. Otherwise, it could have been a whole lot worse when the catch fence ripped the fuel cell out of the race car. So as it is, uh, you know, I, I stand here too that yes absolutely that caution was warranted and necessary and you know thank god that uh, everybody was okay and able to walk away from what could have easily been another you know very very bad accident for the second year in a row we got about five minutes left in this segment so the next topic in terms of the daytona 500 i want to get to here is where does tom michael mcdowell's victory sit in terms of upsets at the Daytona 500. Uh, it was easily the biggest one in 10 years since uh, Trevor Baines' win in 2011, but I almost feel like McDowell's is one of the maybe bigger upsets in terms of you know the 63-year history of the 500, to be totally honest. Well, um, I haven't been a, around and in, in cogent for all 63 because uh, I wasn't born until 67 and didn't really... I don't really remember anything NASCAR wise till probably 73 or 74. So uh, I'll just deal with that era forward and say that uh, I think probably in, in the modern era, we'll just say from 1980 forward, I would put this basically below Derek Cope, but above Trevor Bain. Um, you know, yes, Trevor was in the Wood Brothers car. And yes, I did call that win. But I still think that was a bigger upset than McDowell. And uh, but I don't think it was as big as Derek Cope. Derek Derek won on a on a fluke because Dale broke on the last lap. Um, McDowell clearly was and has been a front runner. Noah. So I'm go I'm gonna put this basically, I guess the second biggest upset of the modern era. Um, you know, somewhere behind Derek Cope and 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 above. Uh, uh, but not as, or, or somewhere above Trevor Bain, but not as big an upset as Derek Cope. 
Yeah, Tom, I, I agree with your placing there. I'd put one guy maybe at the top of that list, and I know it's hard to call him an upset in a DEI car, but Michael Waltrip's uh, race win at the Daytona 500 after going so many, just like McDowell, um, without a series win was was one that I always think of. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it certainly was one on that list. Uh, like we've talked about, front row certainly has had speed, so it wasn't off of my mind that they could get it done, but it certainly wasn't. what If you would have lined McDowell up with a bunch of other drivers, some of which got taken out at lap 15, um, then I certainly wouldn't have picked him the first one, Peter. I got to agree with Tom. I think Derek Cope, the Wickham racing team winning in 1990 is the biggest upset in Daytona 500 history. And I'd put McDowell and front row motorsports winning this year on a B tier alongside Trevor Bain and the Wood Brothers 10 years ago. So I'd put this probably second biggest upset in 500 history. That doesn't diminish, of course, McDowell's driving talent or the talent of the front row 34 team. But just in terms of upset winner, I think this is number two in the 63-year history of the Great American Race. I'll quick toss my two cents in here. I call it the third biggest upset as far as you know, really looking back at Daytona 500 history. I, I, I kind of think back, even though the team wasn't an upset, Pete Hamilton is one that comes to mind. Pro I, I call that probably the second biggest upset in 500 history, just when you look at the circumstances that led Pete to, to Petty Enterprises and, and what brought that whole deal together. I still, like Tom, put Derek Cope right at the top. That was one of those that you just <laughs> you, you just can't write that script if you tried. So Cope for me is one, Hamilton is two, and then McDowell is is third there with Bain right underneath that. Uh, to me, it's those underdog stories at the 500 and the fact that you can get a surprise winner like that that makes this race so special and, and what it is. And I loved seeing what it meant to McDowell, to crew chief Drew Blickensturfer, who won the 500 as his first cup race as a crew chief back in 2009 with Matt Kenseth and finally got back to victory lane with McDowell over the weekend. You know, to uh, Jerry Fries and Bob Jenkins, obviously the effort that they've put in for more than a decade now to try and build a cup series team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really great things that have come out of it. So that's all well and good, obviously, with happy winners comes, of course, discipline appointed losers and in the next segment we'll talk a little bit about that including the botched final pit sequence by Toyota that led probably the most dominant race car in Daytona to not score a three-peat in Denny Hamlin so we'll get to that coming up right around the turn here on Motorsports Madness don't go anywhere we'll be right back when do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. 
Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skills levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking with a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively summit point motorsports parks drift nirvana is just the thing for you call for your reservation today 304-725-8444 or for more information go online summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com drift nirvana getting you sideways the right way If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Ross Chastain. You're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strata, still with you and still talking racing. And we ran out of time in the last segment, Tom, but I know you had a point that you wanted to make. So I'll go back to you real quick before we get into our next topic. Well, I was just going to add that once you started talking about Pete Hamilton, it made me think of Tiny Lund. Didn't he win the Daytona 500? Um, in relief of Marvin, pa- in relief of Marvin Panch in the Wood Brothers car after the, yes. the fire during speed weeks. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was, I, I just had that thought as you were talking about Pete Hamilton, and and I think. It may be fair to say that perhaps Tiny was the biggest uh, upset in 500 history, but uh, I think you also have to give uh, put somewhere on that list Mario Andretti's win um, because, again, coming over with little stock car experience and going out and winning the race, I just, you know, it, it is interesting that there probably haven't been an awful lot of uh, real no-name winners, uh, but I think when you come to the Daytona 500 and and it's your first major stock car race, or um, you're in a situation where you're you're new, um, that could be considered an upset as much as it would have been if Kurt Busch would have gone over to Indy and won the 500 his first time in the race. So uh, we probably had a number of those, but I still think that uh, you know there were there were at least a few that I would consider bigger than Michael McDowell because again that car's been up front at Daytona a fair amount over the last number of years so it isn't like this wasn't um, you know 
somewhat probable. He just wouldn't have been one of the uh, top probably six or eight favorites that most people would have picked. Exactly. So with that, we'll now move into uh, the drivers who didn't win the Daytona 500, obviously headlined by the guy who was going for three in a row in Denny Hamlin. And Tom, I don't know how much there is to say, except he had the dominant car in the race. And at the end of the day, Toyota botched the last pit sequence as uh, his crew chief, um, Chris Gabehart, said, we executed too well. They didn't uh, come out together in the draft, and it ultimately bit them. They had too far to come back, and, you know, not enough help, not enough laps. Well, that's, you know, when I look at uh, Denny Hamlin in that race, you can say he had the dominant car, but I don't know that at any point in a, in a race on a super speedway, especially Daytona, um, that you can say he had the dominant car. I don't know what everybody else's strategy was. I mean, he certainly was in the mix, but I don't know, Noah, that I would have called Denny a guaranteed winner at any point in that race, to be honest. And I think it just goes to show you how hard it is to win three of these in a row um, that all it takes is, you know, one situation, one miss, you know, botched pit stop, a, a mental mistake, whatever. Uh, and all of a sudden you're, you're out of contention. And that's, uh, that's why this thing is so hard to win once, let alone three times. I, I'm not buying the dominant car thing because I, I just think, I just think Denny chose to be up front. He led a bunch of laps, and and I do think there were a number of other cars that could have run with him to the end uh, had, you know, it gotten that far. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, no one is really a shoe-in when we come to these races, especially the Daytona 500. That's why it's 500 miles. Um, if you would have had me pick a guy out of the field that I think has been around at, at the end of these super speedway races, especially the 500, um, that could go out there and do such a thing, it would have been Denny Hamlin. However, no, I didn't go into it thinking that he he certainly was a shoo-in or anything like that. We look at uh, Dale Earnhardt. I mean, we're, we're 20 years from his tragic accident today, actually, but... We, we see how hard it was. That man wanted Daytona all the time, but it came to the 500, and he could only get one of them uh, under his belt. So it certainly is a unpredictable race. We saw all the way to the finish. We didn't know who it was going to be. Um, so, no, I wouldn't, have plan I wouldn't have planted dominant on Denny Hamlin, although he was up front for a lot of that race, Peter. Denny was up front for nearly half the race. He led 98 of the 200 laps, which is the most laps he's led ever in a Daytona 500. So, yes, he was up front for a lot of that race. But at the same time, during the stages with weather looming, how safe were guys playing it just to trying to log laps to get to halfway? So either way, Hamlin had a great shot at going for the 3P, but had it fall apart on pit road late when he and his teammates just cannot stay in tandem and cannot draft back up to the front but he had a great shot regardless and i think he definitely left this one with a sour taste in his mouth even though he came back to finish fifth he noted that he left 2018 with a similar sour taste in his mouth because he controlled the final restart and then just didn't choose the right lane to be able to hang on to it at the end you know he went against his instinct at the super speedways and it bit him so obviously uh, a disappointment for Denny who does not come away with his fourth win in the Daytona 500 uh, that being said Tom also some you know, pleasant underdog surprises aside from just Michael McDowell. And, and two come to mind for me on this. One is the 
pair of Spire Motorsports cars, and the other, really, I know the finish isn't necessarily reflected in how well he ran, but rookie Austin Sindrick, who led some laps and was a contender, you know, right up towards the later stages of that race. Tom, I think you may be on mute. Well, uh, while Tom's getting everything situated, I think I'll take it the first round there, Jacob. That's the fun of 21st century technology. Um, but yeah, you know, we did see a lot of underdogs in this race. And, and like you mentioned, that Spire bunch, we have to, we have to give a big shout out to our, uh, our typical producer, Mashing Buttons, Red, uh, James Mellick, who's over there at Spire Motorsports, both of their full-time entries ending up in the top 10 of the Daytona 500 is huge for that team. And, and like you said, Ryan Priest, who's out here without, he doesn't know if he's going to make every single race this season. And, uh, and he has to put on a show and point his way in on races that we do qualify at and how owner points stack up and all of the different elements of this year. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's very huge for that team, Tom, and, uh, and, and really big for Ryan Priest. Hopefully we can see more out of that driver. Yeah, that was the point I was trying to make, but apparently you didn't uh, couldn't hear me for some reason. Um, yeah, I was going to throw in Ryan Priest because Ryan had a uh, has a stat that I think is pretty stout that you can toss in here, and I know how much Jacob loves stats. Um, Ryan, of all the races that Ryan ran over the course of the week, both at Daytona and also at New Smyrna with his modified, where he picked up a back to front win there one night. Um, you know, he ended up finishing in the top 10 in every single race. I think it was six altogether. Uh, and, and he went out and finished top 10 in every one of them. And that's a heck of a weekend for a driver who seems to run faster without a charter for some reason. <laughs> so i um, happy to see that uh, Ryan and the 37 team had themselves a good uh, weekend to start with. And, and you know, that, that, of course, could bring up another topic we could talk about later, which is all these uh, teams that now have to sit out till May uh, in some cases because, well, they didn't qualify at Daytona. One other underdog team I wanted to give a quick shout out to was Ross Chastain in the 42 best career cup finish coming home seventh. And he made a bit of a social media impact during the weather delay by going to McDonald's and posting a video of the drive through ladies reaction. Just that was cool to see and great run for Chastain and that 42. I was going to say that that was enjoyable to see Chastain go through the McDonald's drive through Tom and say, I drive the McDonald's car. And the lady goes, wait, what you do? <laughs> that was the greatest thing I saw on social media during the rain delay. Well, I think we had three guys, didn't we? Chase Briscoe went somewhere, I think, and someone else went somewhere. There were three drivers, I think, that all went to get food after uh, and during that rain delay. Um, and, you know, I think that's pretty funny, honestly, that uh, they would do that, given they've got a, a giant bus full, hopefully, of actual food. Like, I don't, I don't know why they felt they needed to go out, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. That was pretty funny. It was. About four minutes left in this segment, uh, so I want to go back to the moment that changed the race before the rain came, Tom, and that was the big one at lap 14. Were guys being too aggressive too early, do you feel like? Because obviously with the you know 12 or 14 cars that were rendered pretty much useless or you know completely out of the race at that point, it certainly changed the complexion and took a lot of the energy of the pack 
away to where we did see them train up around the outside wall for a lot of the race. And I know, you know, that didn't sit well with a lot of fans, unfortunately. Um, the answer to your question is hell yes. I, I feel like they were way too aggressive on, on lap 13 or 14 um, to be to be racing like that. And I can't really blame Chris Bell, um, though he was the one that actually triggered that. Um, again, I come back to the, the, the fact that, you know, this bump drafting stuff, it, if you look go back and you look at almost every single major Daytona big one over the last decade, it's been caused by either bump drafting or it's been caused by someone throwing a block. And it's funny that I was I was just reading through Buddy Baker's uh, book again, and Buddy referenced the whole blocking thing on super speedways and basically made the point that if you'd done that back in the days when he raced, he would have just driven straight through you. So, um, and, and then, you know, the, those guys would have had a conversation with you after the race. This whole way that we race in the modern era is caused by Arrow, and it's caused by the way the cars are. And I just think that we've got to, these, these, at some point, Noah, we've got to get out of this mindset that we have to have these splitters. We have to have bump stops and coil binding and have the front end planted in the racetrack. We need to get rid of those splitters, get the front ends back up off the ground again, and go back to the days when you actually had to use both pedals and out drive the driver in front of you to pass them and, and have to wrestle a car that doesn't stick to the track like a slot car on these super speedways because, you know, you're, you're just somebody's always going to cause a big one, even if they're not trying to do anything wrong. Yeah, Tom, I agree with you to an extent. But at the same time, these drivers have to realize um, they, they know that this is the type of racing we're going to see. They know that the moves they make um, are going to dictate that. So it, it's really hard to say, you know, with the racing right now, it's obviously way too early to make any sort of moves like that. Uh, spotters need to communicate to the guys on, on what runs they have and, and what room they have. And we hear that a lot. And the great spotters know what to say. Um, but we had some big names taken out at lap 14, and I think, Jacob, or, or Peter, that that's what dictated the rest of this race. I think that when we had such good cars taken out so early, um, we ended up with a lot of freight training around the top because there just weren't enough cars to really make, I don't know, there's just a different feeling, there's a different push when you have a large pack in, uh, and coming down for the rest of that race, lap 15 took them all out, a bunch of good cars and, uh, and we saw calamity afterward. I think the freight training we saw in the latter half of stage one, stage two, and for most of stage three up until the final lap was a direct result of this calamity on lap 14, taking out not just so many cars, but so many good cars. There were there were guys taking out of this wreck who could have legitimately won the Daytona 500. I think such a big crash happening so early spooked the field and reminded them that it's a 500-mile race. we got to make it to the end before we make our move to win. I totally agree. I'm extremely, you know, I, I was shocked at that whole thing and disappointed, honestly, that we saw... All that chaos, you know, not even 15 laps into the Daytona 500. As they always say, you can't win the race on lap, you know, 1 or 10 or whatever it is, but you can certainly lose it 
at lap 1 or 10, or in this case, 14. So, very unfortunate to see how it all played out. That being said, we're up against another commercial break, so we're going to get ready to step aside, and we'll continue to work towards the second half of our show. We also have Ryan Vargas still coming up, so don't go anywhere. Motorsports Madness, powered by MyComputerCareer.edu, returns right after this. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at Values.com. Hey, this is Reed Wilson, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Yeehaw. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Peter Strada, Noah Lewis, and considering it's appropriate that 
I haven't had to be rebooted yet tonight, Tom. I feel like it's probably high time we get to our friends at My Computer Career before they're needed to call me back into service and fix things on this show because, well, not only can they do that, but they can help you with a first career or a second career or a new career as well. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, and I guess I probably needed him to reboot me there in uh, one of the earlier segments when I suddenly went into parentheses for no apparent reason. But uh, look, here's the thing. If you're looking for uh, a new career or just a change in career, uh, my, my computer career might be your answer. IT is one of the fastest growing fields still in the United States. There are over a quarter of a million jobs unfilled in this country right now because there is a far greater demand for qualified uh, employer employees in that uh, in that field than there is a supply of them. So um, mycomputercareer.edu gives you the opportunity to take a free career evaluation. And if you feel like that this is a good opportunity for you, it's real simple. They have financial aid available if you qualify, including the GI Bill. You can train one to two days a week. That's it. And in four to six months, you can be ready to enter the workforce. And when you get ready to enter the workforce, my Computer Career continues to help you by working with hundreds of employers to get you placed. So there is really nothing to lose here. My Computer Career is not rocket science. It is not a matter of whether you're good at math or science, and you don't even need to be a computer nerd. Just look at their website, mycomputercareer.edu. Take the free career evaluation, and if you feel like IT is the place for you, then go ahead and get involved. They are not just trainers. They are mentors. They will work with you every step of the way, and it is an excellent way to transition to a better life. Mycomputercareer.edu, and we thank them for being involved with us. Almost like he's done this a time or two before. We're going to take a break here on Motorsports Once. Madness. The second half rolls on right after these words don't go anywhere. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. 
But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico in Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. Strike two. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing holes. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, I'm Cody Connor, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu. Training for a better life, Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada. It is right after cross flags. We are starting the second half of tonight's program, and that's a good thing because coming up at the top of the hour, Ryan Vargas is going to join us from JD Motorsports back again. Why? Because, well, he had a little bit of news, Tom, that I, I don't know that we should spoil all the fun, but we wouldn't bring somebody back two shows in a row if it wasn't a really big deal, now would we? No, we wouldn't. And uh, Ryan's big news has been all over social media, so we can at least uh, sort of preview it here. He actually has partnered with one of my favorite NFL players to uh, to put some uh, sponsorship on his car for this weekend, and he's going to be telling us all about it. I cannot uh, believe that this happened, and I am so excited for Ryan. Can't wait to hear him talk about it and uh, and how it all developed. Oh, I know. I, I'm excited about it. And uh, Noah, I'll quickly go to you here while we have uh, you know, about a minute and a half before the break. But the fact that we're seeing so many big names in other sports you know, and, and other places invest into NASCAR. Corey LaJoy talked about it earlier today. It's a great sign for the health of the sport and the future of the sport. Oh, that's so true, Jacob. And and even the, the aspects of social media within our sport growing, we've seen charts and graphs saying so. I think Ryan Vargas is one of the big parts of that, being so close to fans on social media. We'll talk to him a little bit more about that and how this all came together. It is very exciting. I, I'm really looking forward to this, not just because Vargas is always a good interview, but because, as everybody has said this week, the fact that we're seeing so much renewed interest in the sport and really new interest in the sport that perhaps we haven't seen before is a, a very big thing. I don't think it can be you know, stated enough just what this says about the value that some of these outside entities see in NASCAR and wanting to be a part of it. So as mentioned, we will have Ryan Vargas coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll also have chatter on the NASCAR Xfinity Series, NASCAR Truck Series, and the Arkham Menard Series, which all 
opened their seasons during Daytona Speed Weeks, had some surprises at the front, some guys who you'd expect to run at the front that perhaps didn't, and all that fun stuff. So we'll get to all that. But first, Ryan Vargas coming up right after a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere, Motorsports Madness. Powered by my computer career continues right after this. Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color it, Correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in. You need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles. And now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at Strutmasters.com. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Casey Kane, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, and Peter Strada 
All with you talking racing, joined by, for the second show in a row, the driver of the number six Chevrolet Camaro for JD Motorsports with Gary Keller in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And I know the running joke earlier this week, Ryan Vargas, was that can it be JD Motorsports with Gary Keller and Alvin Camara? But hey, you know what? Sponsorship on board that car is a whole lot better than nothing. And uh, I'll tell you what, that thing looks really, really fast. Welcome back. Thank you. No, I'm uh, I'm very excited for this weekend. Uh, Alvin Kamara jumping on board with uh, the big squeezy. Uh, super excited to see that. I mean, two days ago, heck, I mean, this morning the car was just red. Um, so uh, it's always good to see the JD cars get wrapped. And it's it really does mean a lot to see the outpouring of support, not just from NASCAR fans, but fans across all of sports. Uh, I think this is something that's really kind of, you know, blending the lines of, you know, fan bases and i think that's really cool i mean heck we were on sports center <laughs> i love it um I, I, and i'll let you tell the story here but i i am not exaggerating when we say that how this came together literally goes back to something you've talked about more than once on this show the power of social media one tweet yeah one tweet um you know i put out there i don't normally like making posts about, you know, not having sponsorship because, you know, I, I just feel um, I don't I never want to sound like I'm out there asking, you know what I mean, uh, which I mean, technically is what I'm doing every day. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were going into this weekend's race. We we had no sponsor on the car, nothing on the car. Um, it was just going to be a plain red car. Um, and, you know, while, while it is the road course, it's still Daytona. You never want to show up to Daytona without a sponsor, whether it be, you know, a wrap or just a decal on the car um and so i you know after talking to the team i just said let's post something so i put, put it out there you know hoping to get you know a few small sponsors here and there and within 20 minutes that tweet has a couple hundred likes a couple hundred retweets uh and cassie fambro tags alvin camara in the tag in the in the comments and right away he responds so <laughs> i mean when we're talking that we were on the line within about two three hours i mean that's that's really how this went. Yeah, Ryan, tell us about that initial communication. How did Alvin uh, reach out to you through DMs, I assume? And then did you guys ever hop on a phone call or was it all strictly through text? How did this all come together? Yeah, um, it really started through DM. I shot him a message. He said, uh, how does he do this? I said, I'm going to shoot you a message right now. And right away, I shot him a message. Um, you know, when you have an opportunity like that present itself, it uh, you have to capitalize. And um you know, he was super enthusiastic. He was actually at the Daytona 500 this past weekend. So he was definitely on a high of watching race cars. Um, and I know how enthusiastic he is about the sport, which, I mean, is easy to understand. You know, we're all race fans here. We all understand why people are fans. And it's great to see people, you know, outside of the racing community become fans. Um, and Alvin's no, no short of that. Um, and, you know, after a conversation, you know, began, you know, we started thinking, you know, okay, well, what do we do here? Like, what, how do we make this happen? And, uh, you know, those conversations led to just, you know, really finalizing all the plans, getting the big squeezy on board and, you know, making it happen. Yeah, we uh, we saw Alvin actually this weekend put out a tweet before leaving Daytona saying uh, that he would stay for the long haul. He canceled his flight back the next day and he was going to be prepared in case we got rained over for the 500. But I do want to ask you this, you know, JD Sports, they brought you on full time this year after some success last season. And and for you to be able to bring some sponsorship into them, how fulfilling is that? 
um, knowing that you're bringing this to the table for that team and every little bit helps. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I mean, we're now entering our eighth race in a row with a fully wrapped car for JD Motorsports. Um, I don't know, you know, what the longest it's been uh, for the team when they've had that. Um, but it definitely means a lot to see the amount of support that we've had from all of our partners, you know, TikTok, Swan, Swan Security, and now uh, the Big Squeezy. Um, it, it just really blows my mind. Um, you know, a few months ago, we were, you know, talking about struggling for sponsorship. And here we are today with uh, eight straight complete vehicle wraps. Um, and, you know, we're the sponsor, the sponsor hunt, the sponsor struggle still hasn't, you know, uh, you know, stop. We're still always hunting. We're still always trying to get more and, you know, continue to grow partnerships. But, you know, it definitely legitimizes a lot of things when you when you're able to put deals together like this. Ryan, you have Alvin Kamara backing you this weekend and your competitor, Joe Graff Jr. has Antonio Williams backing him. I'm just seeing a tweet that Joe Graff put up earlier calling it a road course challenge between you and him. How serious will you race against him and his car this weekend? Is there bragging rights at stake? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's bragging rights. You know, we're we're focused on our deal. We got to make it to the end of the race, and that's always, you know, that's the name, that's the end game, that's the end goal. Um, and so it's pretty cool to see what they're putting up and trying to do. And it's, uh, I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Okay, I want to go back to uh, the this past weekend, Ryan, because um, all of you guys had decent runs and, and I mean, Kobe was actually up in the top 10 for a while. Um, talk a little bit about your weekend at Daytona on the oval and, you know, just kind of walk us into the current weekend on the road course and what you're expecting. Yeah. You know, going into Daytona, that was, that was my uh, bucket list race. Um, that was a race that I dreamed about doing my whole life. Uh, I was racing at Daytona. Um, and we had a bad, fast race car. You know, we, we're able to suck up really well to cars in front of us. Uh, we proved we had speed. Um, we were able to pass cars, but basically at, at, at one. Um, and that was really good to know that we had that confidence in our race car. Um, I hated that all my teammates got wrecked there. Um, I, we all had a lot of speed running together. We had a minute there where it was me, Colby, Jeffrey, uh, all on the line. And I know Landon was like another car back from us. So, you know, we all were running pretty good together. Uh, Colby had a really good race car. He was up front there for a while, as you mentioned. So, um, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. You know, you got to be, you got to make it to the end. And luckily we were able to stay out of the messes, uh, keep the car in one piece and, you know, have a solid finish to boot. We've talked to uh, Colby and you, and we also had Jeffrey on one of our shows, and all three of you said going into the 500 that you really were excited about the cars that JD was putting together for this year, and it certainly uh, seemed to play out this past weekend. Now, uh, talking about the road course, um, you know, this is something I know that you're excited about doing. Uh, How do the cars look, and what do you expect uh, out of the road course this weekend? Well, I'll tell you this: our big squeezy Chevy looks incredible. Um, sure does. But, you know, I know, I know we're gonna put a really good piece on the racetrack. It's the same car we took to the uh, Roval, um, so we, we have a we have a good strong piece. That car was fast at the Roval. Um, the only thing that held that thing back was me not being able to see. Um, I have a lot of confidence that we'll be able to go into the Daytona Road Course and have ourselves a solid run. Just try and maintain track position, but also just keep the car on rate on the racetrack. Um, if we're able to do that, I think we'll end the day with a good finish. 
All right, we're going to hold on to Ryan for a couple of minutes in our next segment, uh, but I'm, I, I want to jump in here real quick, Vargas, and make the point that just the fact that you can talk about eight straight fully wrapped races with JDM after uh, you know uh, years of watching them just trying to get sponsors for a couple of races is, is pretty incredible, and I think a testament to how far Johnny's brought the team. Oh, of course. I mean, every race we've we've proven we've had speed. Um, it's it's no shortage of all the work that Johnny's put in, as well as everyone everyone there at JD Motorsports. Um, they put together really great race cars, and every time we unload, especially at the races where there's no practice, really, we we have speed, and I think that shows uh, in the results. It shows in you know the partners that we're bringing in. It's a lot of fun. So again, we'll uh, we'll continue with Ryan Vargas in the next segment as we look toward the Daytona Road Course, the Super Start Batteries 188, uh, presented by O'Reilly Auto Parts this weekend. I, I believe is the official title. It, it's in, in my opinion too long of a title, but anyway, what you know, paying the bills to get cars on track is a good thing, and I'm never going to complain about that. Uh, so aside from that, coming up in our next segment, we will talk more about the Xfinity Series during Speed Week since it's a good segue from Vargas and a couple of other tidbits as well as we start to get in the meat and potatoes of the 2021 campaign. So right now, Ryan Vargas from JD Motorsports with Gary Keller on the line with us. We're going to step aside here on Motorsports Madness powered by My Computer Career and uh, come back at you with even more of the show right after this. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Motorsports sales professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you 
what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada, and Ryan Vargas remaining with us here on tonight's program. And I'm going to let Noah tee it off here while we've got a couple more minutes with Ryan in this segment. Yeah, Ryan, a uh, point of, of social media this weekend after Daytona was you getting stuck in the grass and then pulling out onto that track, finally getting unstuck, and the fans going wild. Talk about that moment of just trying to get out of the grass. And could you see any of the cheering or hear any of the cheering? Probably not from how hard you were having to rev it, but I'm sure it was cool to go back and see that video. I'll tell you this. Even if I could have heard it, I wasn't listening. I was so focused on, A, getting the car unstuck, and B, not going lap down and C, not blowing the motor up. Um, that was the uh, <laughs> that was the big thing there is that you know we when I spun into the grass there I saw them all wrecking in front of me the whole front stretch there was like a couple cars in front of me so I was just locking it down trying to not hit anything and all of a sudden the rear end just kind of came around from under me um, really nothing much I could have done there um, so I'm sliding through the backwards I'm sliding through the infield backwards. Um, trying to keep the tires rolling as much as I can and not dig the nose in. And I think we were probably the only car all weekend that went through the grass without tearing the, tearing the splitter off. So um, very good uh, luck there. But getting it out of the grass was uh, a super – that was a game-changing thing for the race there. Uh, that could have easily ended our day going a lap down there. Um, and I know the fans really enjoyed it. I heard – I saw videos of the crowd going nuts and when I had to flick it around. So – uh, pretty cool to see the fan reaction. Yeah, definitely very cool. And we know you're the man of many stories right now, so you've got a lot to do. But real quick, do you want to just talk a little bit about that new sponsor? Yeah, I mean, no, it, I'm really excited to bring, uh, obviously, the Big Squeezy on board for this weekend. They've uh, they've been around for a couple years now. They're continuously growing. Uh, and they, they're really putting an effort in to, you know, make good, make good drinks, you know, that are not just good tasting but are also good for you. Um, and, you know, Alvin's very excited to have them on, on board of the car, as well as uh, Son of a Saint, which is a nonprofit that he supports. And we ha- we're going to be supporting them on our deck lid this weekend. So two really cool, uh, you know, one really cool organization, another really cool company uh, to represent this weekend. Uh, you know, a week ago, uh, wouldn't have thought about this, but here we are today. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, t- very fortunate to have Alan and his company, uh, the Big Squeezy, believe in me. Uh, to represent their brand. 
It's been a lot of fun. See, these are, as I said on Twitter the other day, Vargas, the things you love to see, and I think you guys bringing a partner like this on board into the sport of NASCAR is something that we all love to see. As always, uh, thanks for coming back on and chatting with us for a few minutes, making the time, and best of luck this weekend at the Daytona Road Course, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Always fun. That is Ryan Vargas from JD Motorsports with Gary Keller. And as he mentioned, the big squeezy on board, the number six Chevrolet Camaro this weekend. Tom, uh, always fun to have Ryan on and certainly a fun setup to both look ahead at the Daytona Road Course, which we'll do in a little bit, but certainly to look back on a couple of the major stories from the Xfinity Series at Daytona last weekend. Austin Sindrick picking up right where he left off in 2020, won the finale. Now won the opener. Yeah. <laughs> How incredible is that, really? I mean, if, if, when you think about it, um, I mean, you know, I look at the 50,000-foot overview of this, and, and it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're going to start out that way, why don't you just win the first three or four and really establish yourself as, <laughs> as a championship contender? I mean, there is that, Noah. Um, I, it's one of those where, as Tom said, you start off on the right foot, and I think this is dangerous. You know, if you're the field letting Austin Sindrick get an early head start like this, you know what he did at the end of the year last year, and we're going to the Daytona Road Course where he won last August. Like, he doesn't need any help here, guys. Come on. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jacob. This was a race where I thought coming in, okay, these boys need to be up on the wheel um, in front of Austin Sendrick because this is one of the only shots I think that Austin Sendrick will give them this season. Um, that Team Penske car and his development over these last few years, we saw him struggle when he first jumped in the series trying to get his footing. Now he's definitely top of class. He's running some cup races. He's got that experience under his belt. Did wonderful in the Daytona 500 this weekend, not to mention until being crashed there on that last lap. But, uh, but yeah, Austin Cedric needs no help from Daytona. Nevertheless, off of a championship run, that team is off to great starts, and I think that we'll be talking about them a lot this season. Peter. Cindric did take a big leap forward last year, taking his first victory on an oval, and that obviously culminated in the championship. But the one thing he said he left on the table last year was getting better at super speedways. And what do you know, first race this year, he gets it done on the super speedway in dominating fashion. I really think the 22 team will be the 98 team of last year and come out swinging, winning six, seven, eight, even nine races maybe this season. Yeah, I honestly, you know, you guys, it's it's just a situation where I feel like Austin came out with the intent of making a statement. And it's like I said, if if you're if you're going to win the opener, why not just go in the first three or four and really just put yourself out there and, and uh, you know, get this put away early. But I really think that, um, you know, Austin doing as well as he did in the 500 and, and then knowing that we've got a road course coming up this weekend which is his bread and butter i mean goodness it it's really kind of scary jacob to 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 really think about just how far he came from about june of last year to now and to kind of just look at the way he is consistently up front everywhere he runs at this point and you ask yourself if he had won the 500 you know how do you deal with that? I mean, would they have potentially put him in a situation 
to keep going now that you had a playoff car. It would have been kind of a shame to waste that. And it certainly, at least for the moment, Jacob, for a moment or two, was really possible. Um, he's just started off like a house on fire. And I got to tell you, um, this is a guy that could come into Cup next year and just take right off and run for a championship if he keeps improving at the rate he's been. I absolutely believe that, and I'll make the point that he, even if he had won the 500, it would have only put the car in the owner playoffs. It would not have put Cindric in the driver playoffs because he had already declared eligibility for Xfinity Series points, and you're not allowed to uh, take the points or the win that you earn before you switch eligibility, uh, as we saw with Ross Chastain, where he overcame a lot to uh, make the truck Final Four after he switched eligibility and basically started from scratch midway through the season so um, that being said uh, Austin Sindrick was certainly the big story but uh, how about Tom the underdogs our motorsports and Brett Moffat it's I guess it's hard to call them underdogs after uh, you know how much effort they've put into the offseason and Moffat certainly is talented but it was great to see that 02 team come as close as they did to a Daytona win this team and I will just say this as clear as I can <laughs> For those listening and for the rest of you, this team in 2021 is no underdog. They have stepped up into a brand, not a brand new shop, but brand new to them, much bigger shop. They've gone out. They've got different personnel. They've got Moffitt, a, a really good situation to go forward with and contend for a championship in this series. I expect to see that team in championship contention all season long, running in the top five, top 10, running, you know, four wins. Um, I definitely think, Jacob, this is not a, an, an upset. This it, this was um, a really good run for Moffitt, and I think it's a foreshadowing of what we can expect, Noah, uh, after, you know, going forward. I think even this weekend on the road course, we could see a real good showing out of that team. Yeah, Tom, to that point of the road course, first off, it's Brett Moffitt. So we know that him sitting in any car or truck or anything for that matter is going to be fast. But I think you're exactly right. Um, that's something that everyone needs to know is just how many changes have gone over, on over there. And oh, by the way, Brett Moffitt on the pole this weekend, Austin Sendrick starting next to him. He's had success at the Daytona road course. Uh, Brett Moffitt surely won't be, will be someone you can look at. It's going to be hard beating that 22 car, but he'll have a shot from the that he will and peter i'll let you add to this because uh it's one of those where we knew he was capable last year when he stepped in in the part-time role and this year he's only built on that even though it's only been one race so far definitely our motorsports has come such a long way in the past year last season and then beginning of this season over the past off season where like tom said i think we will see this team this car contend for wins as the season goes on, just imagine if they would have been able to get their second car into the Daytona race with Tyler Reddick. And just imagine if Santino Ferrucci does get to race in that car, just how impressive that showing will be with a two-car effort. Oh, it's going to be uh, interesting. I will make the point, though, that Ferrucci with uh, Ferrucci with Sam Hunt in the 26 car, he's going to be uh, he's going to be the majority driver over there with TRD. Speaking of TRD, though, Tom, we got about a minute here, but it's a good point to drop the news nugget that John Hunter Nemechek is going to run a couple of races in that Sam Hunt 26 car this year as well. Uh, they announced that earlier this week. 
Yeah, and that's another team that's uh, improved for uh, this season with uh, kind of a, a different uh, level of alliance, I think, with Toyota. So I could I could certainly see John having some nice runs, and I'm happy for Sam Hunt. He's a, he's a hardworking young man who's really worked hard to build this team, uh, or to build this team, and I think he's he's building it on solid ground here. Oh, absolutely. I'm, you know, he's one of the younger owners in the sport right now. I think that's a big deal because obviously at some point these Cup Series owners who are in their, you know, 70s or in some cases early 80s, uh, you know, at, at some point they're going to give way to the next generation. And you've got guys like Matt Colleg, like a Sam Hunt, you know, guys who are really invested in the future of the sport. And I think that's a really, really, really good sign of things to come. So that being said, we'll have more Speed Weeks conversation coming. Coming up in the next segment, we'll get to some trucks and some ARCA as well here as Motorsports Madness rolls on. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue in a minute. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their car, including front and rear skid control and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. 
rev up your career. Hi, this is Derek Krause, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, which is training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada still with you. And I guess Derek Krause bringing us back from break gives me the opportunity to uh, basically finish off the truck conversation with, the, or sorry, move to the truck conversation, Tom, with Ben Rhodes 1. But other than that, there were... Not really a whole lot of notable stories from the guys you expect to see at the front of the Truck Series field. This night, again, save for the 99, was all about the underdogs, and I love every minute of it. Well, I do too. Um, I'm going to choose to talk about Ben for a minute, and then I'll let Noah and Peter hit more of the underdogs um, so we don't kind of wear that out before we get to them but um, for me it was interesting because uh, a lot of people don't know this I don't think because I'm not sure it was really highly publicized but Ben was working with the 98 team from last year they basically swapped teams uh, for this year so uh, Ben with a new team and certainly seemed to uh, fire him up and uh, and the team seemed fired up as well um, ben getting off to a Daytona 500 winning start, I think might just mean a little bit of a more relaxed Ben Rhodes going forward because he knows he's in the playoffs. He won't have to press as hard as he has the last couple of years to try and get in. So we may see a lot more success out of Ben Rhodes this year, Noah, because maybe he'll turn the aggression button down just a notch or two and be able to focus on just finishing races and you know, that will help him to actually win more because he won't find himself in so much trouble uh, as he has over the past year or two when I think he's kind of gotten a little too aggressive at times. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we know how Ben gets. The pressure really has gotten to him in some stages uh, late, especially into the season when they haven't been running as consistently as they want to and are very close on that bubble. Um, but like you said, Tom, this year, this season, right out of the gates, big win at Daytona for Ben Rhodes. And I think that gives that team a lot of wiggle room. Um, instead of that pressure that they usually have, they now can try things. They don't have to stress a DNF or a bad run. They can develop a bigger notebook to bring back on different things that they've tried. And like you said, Tom, it will translate to a more comfortable and less stressed, I think, Ben Rhodes, he's going to want to succeed. He's going to want to back up his success, but he's also not going to be fearful of that bubble. Um, but moving on to some of those guys, like we mentioned, that that surprised us. How about Jordan Anderson? Man, um, unfortunate part on Saturday where we had a rainout in qualifying um, that didn't allow him to bring his Xfinity card to the race and, and will limit him from doing so until at least we qualify next time. Um, but on Friday night, big high for for Jordan Anderson, who once again had a chance to win that race out of nowhere. I think he came from 11th or 8th or something um, pretty deep in the pack or in that front pack at least um, to a finish off of the turn of second place. Another one like we saw just a year ago. And then Corey Roper coming in third, almost winning. Had a little bit of damage that caused him to wash up from the bottom. But, uh, but Roper with the lead out of four. Big stories, big nights for those guys. Um, we saw an underdog win on Sunday. I guess we can call Michael McDowell an underdog. Um, and we almost saw it on Friday as well, Peter. Big nights for those teams. 
Yeah, Jordan Anderson coming from 11th on the at the white flag to second, just a couple inches shy of that elusive first win was great to see. Great for Jordan Anderson. I'd be hard pressed to find anyone in this sport, fan, driver, team member, otherwise, who has a bad word to say about Jordan Anderson. It was actually kind of funny. He moved his brother-in-law, Austin himself, to help move up on that last lap, and then. Corey Roper, he had the lead at the white flag, but his lead just got too big going down the back straightaway. And then Rhodes and Anderson just had that run off of four to just edge him out at the line. And just looking through this top 10, you have Cody Gorbaugh, you have Carson Hosevar, a lot of great young drivers, underfunded drivers who had great strong results at Daytona to kick off the coming season now now hang on a minute here and i'll i'll let tom add to this if he wants to but i wouldn't call carson hosevar necessarily an underdog as a matter of fact it was a great night for nice motorsports wasn't it to see truex and young hosevar who became the youngest driver oh by the way to ever run a nascar national race at daytona at 18 years 10 days but uh, i i wasn't shocked to see those two in the top five hosevar is a smart short track racer who's learned you know learned the draft on the fly and i thought he did a fine job I actually would disagree with you. I think he was a huge uh, upset there because if you go back to last year, he had a lot of trouble in, in, in his truck starts, uh, at least a good share of them that he had last year. And it wasn't necessarily because of things he did, but, um, you know, just getting caught up in things. I think that was a major upset, um, but great to see him up there. And I was looking through the um, the, the entry list for this coming weekend's truck race and there's about uh between nice and gms i think they cover about half the field i mean they've got <laughs> like seven or eight trucks a piece i think it's unbelievable uh how many people are entered for nice motorsports this weekend so you know i guess the these two these two organizations are pretty willing to put as many trucks out there as i have to to guarantee a win <laughs> pretty interesting Dave. fair enough now that being said uh from the highest almost the highest of highs friday night to the lowest of lows and the woes of no qualifying currently for qualifying to be rained out Saturday morning for the Xfinity Series and to see Jordan Anderson, who was so excited about his new Xfinity deal uh, this year to try and run the full season now, not be able to run basically anything until May. It broke my heart, one, and it made me look at NASCAR and go, what are we doing if IndyCar can practice and qualify if Formula One can practice and qualify, why can't we practice and qualify in the middle of a pandemic? Hello? See, I don't agree with that. I just don't think that NASCAR should penalize these new teams from attempting to qualify for a race because there is no practice or qualifying. I think that you have to come up with a way. This is 2021 you're you're hurting for car count in some ways and you've got teams like jordan and many others that have brought major sponsorship to this or whose sponsors are trying really hard to up their spend so at the at the end of the day you should be allowed to show up at every race and attempt to qualify as a go or go homer if you make it in you make it in if you don't then you don't, but at least you should be allowed to attempt. And this is my whole issue, Noah, with this charter system right now. It does, to me, it's doing exactly the opposite of what it, sh what it was intended to do, which is make it easier 
for new teams to come into the sport. And I know that that, that isn't what's causing this situation because this is not in the Cup Series. But it's the same parallel for me. How NASCAR could allow a scenario where a team like Jordan Anderson, who's trying to be a full season team in Xfinity, to have to sit until May because, you know, he didn't make the 500 is to me just inexcusable. And I think NASCAR needs to look at this because otherwise there's no incentive for anybody new to come into these the, the Xfinity or Truck Series. I can't believe this. Yeah, Tom, I absolutely agree with you. And we have to take it for for what it what the world is right now. This isn't normal times. These aren't normal things. Typically, Anderson would be allowed at the racetrack to go and qualify and try his way in. I mean, contending rain that didn't appear like it did this last weekend, at least, um, he would have been able to do so. Uh, with COVID and everything that we have right now, it does take us back to the conversation of practice and qualifying. And Steve Phelps was very vocal this uh, this last weekend on we won't be doing any of that Um than what's scheduled this season, even after TV partners have said they've missed it. But, you know, it is a a conversation that we can have that other series are doing it. And um, and that NASCAR spent a whole week uh, down in in Daytona qualifying, practicing, and and it seems that things have gone off without a hitch, maybe a few hiccups or things like that. We haven't, we don't know the full story yet, but, but it isn't something that we can't keep safe. And I think that it would eliminate some of those issues, Tom, because I think um, if we were under normal circumstances, Jordan would have had his opportunity to come and qualify. Unfortunately, now that we aren't, he will have to sit out till May. Right, which is my point. I'm not saying that we should just allow them to start the race without qualifying. My point is we don't need to have hours of practice, but but we should be able to go out and qualify without any issues at this point. And that was really what I'm saying. Let them all show up. Let them all try to qualify. And, and whoever, obviously, if there's more uh, cars than starting spots, then X number will go home. But at least you've given them a chance to attend, Peter, and take a shot at it instead of making them sit out until, you know, May and, you know, and not be able to uh, make money with those cars or have the sponsors be a part be a part of what they were supposed to be. Exactly. I mean, we saw 10 trucks go home from Friday night's race in Daytona. Now, obviously, weather was an issue for their qualifying. But say the same 46 trucks come this weekend to the Daytona road course, we'd have the same issue. 10 guys going home and a double digit number of teams going all the way from the Mooresville, Charlotte area to Daytona just to be told, hey, you don't have enough points to make this race is a travesty. It, like you said, deters against new ownership groups, new teams breaking into the sport, and I don't agree with it. NASCAR has done a lot of stuff right in this era of COVID. We were the first major sport back to competition. We were the first major sport to bring fans back in some capacity, but deterring away teams who help drive the sport, I think, is inexcusable and can't just can't continue or else the sport has dire straits ahead. Yeah, and, and we know that, Jacob, and, and I just want to get your opinion on this. With such magnitude that that qualifying session held, I know we had bad weather in the area, and there was a very tight window of when this race started to when this race started, but don't you think NASCAR should have done something at least to to figure out how we could get them on track to qualify or, or given them some sort of incentive this weekend, maybe made a qualifying session at least for the, the series 
to go out and have that opportunity this weekend, despite already saying we wouldn't, but something has to be done, in my opinion. Absolutely. And here, here's the bottom line to this, and here's my two cents on it. If you crash out of qualifying, you're not going to start the race anyways. Therefore, you still don't necessarily need a backup car at the racetrack. Let the go-or-go-homers, you know, you, you can have your formula to start the guys who would be locked in on points, those top 30, whatever it is that, you know, that, that they're taking, um, you know, for, based, on, um, based on this year's points or, or, you know, however it is. But for those bottom 10 spots, the guys who, where there is risk of not making the show, qualify them. If you crash and you can't race, that's on you, because if you crash during qualifying, you wouldn't be fast enough to make the show anyway at that point. Do something. Fix this. Of course, they're not going to, but as it is, uh, un it's just a heartbreaker for, for Jordan and that whole situation, because they put a lot of effort this offseason into you know, trying to really build that into an Xfinity team that was going to, I feel like, be able to be a long-term answer. And it's not just Jordan. There's other teams affected as well. The, uh, the 0-3 team, um, out of the second car out of the Hour Motorsports stable, that car now won't be able to run for most of the, you know, until May or most of the year at this point because they won't have points. You've got the uh, fourth car at DGM that was going to be, um, you know, on board for a, a decent part of the season, the 91 car with Mario Goslin that uh, was shut out of the field at Daytona. There's a lot of teams that were affected by one qualifying session getting rained out for a bunch, you know, a bunch of this season, and I don't like that. I feel like NASCAR should have made a qualifying session this weekend to make up for it and then move forward from there. That being said, we got to step aside, take a break. We'll be back with more Motorsports Madness right after this. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach so call bsr today 304-725-8444 give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway that's 304-725-8444 you hear that that's the sound of america's only sports car that's right it's a corvette but not just any corvette it's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. 
If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Hi, this is John Androsik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. When Marlon Shirley was five years old, he was in an accident and lost his foot, but he didn't lose his heart. When you tackle a challenge that you just cannot even fathom tackling, when you accomplish that, the amount of integrity and the will and the heart that you'll get from that experience is what will set you up for your life. In less time than it took Marlon Shirley to say that, he can now run 100 meters because today he's the world's fastest amputee. Overcome, pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Hi, this is Chandler Smith, and you're listening to the Race Chaser Radio. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, powered by mycomputercareer.edu, training for a better life. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Noah Lewis, Peter Strada. We're going to really quickly read off our fantasy picks going into this weekend, which, oh, by the way, Seth Eggert, who will rejoin the show next Thursday night, uh, leads over Noah Lewis. <laughs> I'm just going to go with me first because, well, I expect to see exactly what we saw last August. Sheldon Creed wins the truck race, Austin Sindrick wins the Xfinity race, and Chase Elliott wins the cup race. There, Noah, that was easy wasn't it yeah i guess so that was pretty easy there um i have chase elliott winning our cup series race austin Sendrick, like you said on the xfinity he's gonna be hard to beat and for trucks rafael lassard i think gets the job done tom oh i uh i'm not thinking i got two out of three there i'm thinking Sendrick in xfinity uh i mean elliott in cup is obviously the suck the uh easy bet two and a half inch limb that we, i think most of us are going to go out on uh but for me in trucks upset special kaz Grala, road course expert driving for young's motorsports in the 24 truck gets the job done for my picks i got trucks brett moffitt he was second there last august xfinity i got justin allgaier and then cup i got mtj martin truex jr getting the job done over elliott all I got to say is when you start Chase Elliott on the pole at a road course, you're racing for second, and that is exactly what NASCAR has done via the performance matrix going into this weekend. Therefore, well, everybody's racing for second. That said, we're out of time. So for Tom, Peter, Noah, I'm Jacob Seelman. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Motorsports Madness. We'll be back next Thursday to do it all again. Till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness powered by MyComputerCareer.edu. Training for a better life. You can be an IT professional in as little as four months. Visit MyComputerCareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test today. Motorsports Madness, a race chaser media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsports content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.